Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to the 24th episode of the Sneak Preview, a Filmgasm Productions podcast that follows the current film release calendar. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Austin Johnson. We're joined today by a very special guest host. If you've heard our past episodes on Moxie in the United States versus Billie Holiday, then you'll recognize Brianna Moore. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Today, we're covering two of this weekend's releases, notably Lin-Manuel Miranda's long-awaited movie musical In the Heights, as well as Paramount Plus's Infinite. If you've come here for Peter Rabbit 2, you're going to be disappointed. I, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so. I think, let's see, Peter Rabbit, Peter Rabbit. When did that first one come out? I, I don't 2019? know. Let me let me see because part of me thinks we were all working. We were because yeah. me and Leslie went to go see it. We just wanted the reason to sit in a theater and drink. 2018. So yeah, we that yeah we would have all been working at Draft House at that time. Us three. It didn't do well. I have I think, no memory of working Peter Rabbit. Yeah, that's I don't I don't think we had. Also to. worked like a gnome, some kind of gnome. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, no, it was a sequel, Sherlock Gnomes. I remember that. Gnomes. I remember yeah. thinking this is the stupidest premise for a or, kids movie I've ever heard. <laughs> there, there was also Ferdinand. I saw that. I remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah. W- random, really random. Uh, 2018 animated, animated movies. movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then there was Isle of Dogs, but I fondly remember that one. Uh, yeah. And what else was that? I don't know. No, was, we had. A, I was seeing movies all the time. A lot. Of, yeah. <laughs> I remember for Isle of Dogs, we had a like trash milkshake or something like yeah. that it was like a it had popcorn on it yeah <laughs> that's right God it damn. actually <laughs> as odd as it sounded it didn't taste that bad it was good leslie had it and i was like i'm gonna try it. i'm not gonna pay for it but definitely gonna try it and it was surprisingly not that bad it's kind of what i thought about all the specials like i don't want to pay money for this but i'll try it if somebody yeah. offers it yeah uh, exactly the hardest i ever worked at that place uh, that wasn't a marvel or a star wars movie was 2016's The Secret Life of Pets. That thing obliterated. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't yeah. working there, but I did see it at that draft house. I was, yeah, yeah. I saw it at a different theater. It was busy. Yeah. Oh, that man, thing was I... fully sold out kids' shows all day for like three and a half months. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, so that year was Incredibles 2, and I remember 2018, and I remember being like, this is not cool. <laughs> It, it actually it actually makes me like the second movie less because of that experience. <laughs> <laughs> that experience. Oh, I remember I saw Incredibles 2 with my cousin Miles because he was a big fan of the first one. We started watching the movie and we're like, oh, The Underminer. And that was done in five minutes. And we were like, well, there's 16 years of buildup. just gone. And um, then he ordered the Triceratops because we had Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom going at the same time. And he's yeah. like, he was like, these are gross. And I'm like, we're going to have a bad time tonight, aren't we? Yeah, gross, <laughs> like, yeah. gross snack, gross movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we don't have Peter Rabbit, too. Uh, yeah. I don't really think I'll ever watch that. I know I made a pledge to watch pretty much everything I get my hands on in 2021. I'm going to skip some kids' movies. I'm not five years old. <laughs> but... But Pixar, yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, I have exceptions, but if it's from DreamWorks <laughs> or like Illumination, I, I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I definitely understand that. 
you know, obviously Brown and I are in a, a different place, like with Willow, with having a kid, it's anything that, but she seems to kind of just gravitate towards like the same movies that are, that, that came out before she was born. She likes you know? a lot of like vibrant, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Uh, it has you know? good music and a lot of color. She's in it. Yeah. And I, she's really into trolls. The first one, which came out in 2016, like that's, you that's know, her movie. yeah. And that came out, you know, before she was born. So it's just interesting that like what kids get attached to It's Sometimes it's not even new releases. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about. When I was her age, I, I was obsessed with Robert Zemeckis. I'm not going to lie. At her age, all I watched was Back to the Future, One, Two, Three, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Death Becomes Her. That was it. <laughs> not much uh, has changed. <laughs> From age three to 26. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, before we get into it, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. No new trailers this week, which is odd. Usually we have one or two. Uh, nothing, just news. First up, horror filmmaker and rock star Rob Zombie has announced he is helming a film adaptation of The Munsters. The cult family comedy series ran for two seasons between 1964 and in 1966, and Zombie has been a lifelong fan who's really been working hard to get this off the ground. And wow. I bet, you know, the studio took one look at his catalog and was like, uh, I don't know about this. <laughs> so the fact that he's managed, managed to pull this off, I think he's going to, I think it's going to be a lot more lighthearted than what we've gotten from Rob Zombie in the past. Yeah, got to be. Yeah. Is this, is this something that excites you? Like, mm, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, my grandpa's a huge fan of the Munsters. I saw random episodes growing up. Uh, I'm familiar with it. Uh, Rob Zombie. I love his music. His films are an acquired taste, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on this. I'll see it. I'm, I'm, I'd like a trailer, some you know, some screenshots, something to kind of gauge where he's going with this. Yeah, but yeah, the, the expectations. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'm with kind of neutral. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Gonna have to just kind of prove me at this point, you know, prove to me what you got with with his kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I know Caleb is super, super excited. <laughs> He's he texted me like, "Oh shit, did you see this?" <laughs> he he randomly do that with certain movie news, <laughs> like sometimes not even full sentences. Like I got this text. I, I, I'm sure he doesn't mind this. I, <laughs> I got this text the other day. Uh, it was Kevin Bacon, villain, Toxic Avenger remake. <laughs> <laughs> With exclamation points all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to love that passion. Yeah. You're, and you're just left to, I guess I'm going to look up Kevin Bacon <laughs> on the internet and see what's going on. I'll take a look. Yeah. And yeah, okay. I mean, I thought it was going to be Elijah Wood. That news disappeared with, within a day. Uh, I'll Yeah, more on that. This Wednesday's Filmgasm. Check that out. Um, Brian Fuller, uh, who's known uh, mostly as the creator of the TV series Hannibal, is going to be writing and directing a remake of Christine for Blumhouse. Fuller pledges to be faithful to King's novel, and I am very excited for this. I'm sure you are, yeah. Blumhouse and Stephen King, that's not a 
thing that's meshed right before. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. I don't think they were behind Pet Cemetery. I I'm pretty sure they weren't, but I yeah. can't confirm that. That's another 2018 movie, isn't it? <laughs> that was 2019, I think. It was yeah. 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I I don't I don't, I don't think that, that Blumhouse has done that. And, and Blumhouse, yeah, I, you know, it, it's something that's going to excite me, and I'm intrigued. I remember. Uh, Bonaventure? Yeah, Bonehouse is involved. With what? With um, this, right? With Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. They're not. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're not involved. Pet Cemetery. Okay. I figured because it sucked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you look at, you know, I, I, to me, like Blumhouse, you know, I go straight to Halloween or The Invisible Man where they excelled in a remake or reboot. So, you know, throwing them up. A Stephen King bone is just going to be exciting, especially Christine, which I like the Carpenter movie from 83, but it, it took some liberties. Didn't quite dwell too much into the backstory of the car. Just kind of said like the car's evil when in reality, the car is haunted and it didn't really cover that part. So I'm looking forward to kind of a more faithful adaptation. Yeah. That's just a great book. Christine's one of his best. Yeah. That's so exciting for first, you, you know, I know how big of a fan you are. <laughs> That's super exciting. One of the book, one of the stories you like the most being uh, adapted by by a good, uh, like you said, good production company. One thing I did like that Carpenter brought to the table with Christine that I really hope that Fuller does as well is the way Christine communicated using the radio. Mm. Like it would it would play songs like when Arnie's trying to get in the car, he would play a song like "You Keep on Knocking but You Can't Come In." Like that's yeah. that's really cool, and I hope they yeah. do that again. That's badass. Surely that'll be a, a trope that's kept. Hopefully. Uh, speaking of sequels, a sequel to Bram Stoker's Dracula is in the works, and it's being adapted from a Joe Hill short story called Abraham's Boys. Natasha Kermani has been tapped to write and direct the film. So Joe Hill wrote a short story that was a sequel to Dracula, and now they're turning that into a movie. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds super uh, super creative, you know? Yeah, I I didn't know you could just write sequels to <laughs> random stories and have them count. <laughs> I'm just gonna take it. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with it. I kind I kind of love. It. I feel like I've been wasting my time here. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Think about all the the, the movies. Are like, oh, I have an idea for uh, you know an extra hour and a half to that. You know, <laughs> here's my here's my Big Lebowski too. You know, <laughs> I would 100% do Walter in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I would have him be immediately discharged at the beginning. He never actually went. <laughs> and the whole damn thing is in his head. What would you do for a sequel? Like what movie? Like a movie that's standalone that doesn't have anything. Oh. That would be cool to see again in some way. Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> I feel like the movies that I enjoy have had sequels that were either successful or garbage. Like, I like all like the movies that follow halloween that fit the storyline but like yeah also i'm a huge fan of mean girls and mean girls 2 was garbage that that's fair that's totally fair there are a lot of trash sequels yeah. i would do a mean girls where like katie is now like the math teacher i could see that or like tina fey in high school yeah prequelizing yeah. and tim meadows they're like they go to the same high school or something in south side chicago yeah <laughs> <laughs> I did not leave the South Side for this. <laughs> it's my 
favorite line from that movie. God, <laughs> classic. Yeah, see, I would love to. Yeah, there's a lot of what like the Dumb and Dumber stuff that follows is so bad. Wouldn't it be nice to kind of patch that up? Yeah, Dumb and Dumber Two is such a waste of talent. I mean, the way they like they completely erased the reason we love those characters. Like they made them assholes. <laughs> yeah, and they're both like still good actors those two guys (laughs) well yeah waste of a movie that dumb and dumber two and then dumb and dumber -er with the other actors whoa well that was real bad we got a podcast coming in the fall that will be a perfect place to talk about those two piles of shit yeah (laughs) Uh, i think that the rule is that if it's public domain anybody can use it and dracula is public domain so that's why this is that's why this flies uh which is cool because I've always had kind of a King Arthur idea I'd like to do. And I think that, I think that's public domain. If Disney hasn't somehow bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> um, Bill Skarsgård has joined the cast of John Wick 4, which is set for release May 27th, 2022. Also, Lawrence Fishburne has confirmed his return as the Bowery King. I mean, we all knew it was coming, but it's nice to get confirmation. Uh, yeah. This is it. We don't need any more news about it. You know, it's, the fourth installment of a, an amazing franchise. So I'm already in anyway, without knowing about these, these people in the cast. Cool bit of news I found out today, and I'm going to not use names in case this ends up being bullshit, but I don't think it's bullshit. He's got evidence. My cousin's girlfriend, her uncle is the bad guy in John Wick three, the Japanese guy, the uh, Iron Chef America guy. Okay. Okay. How about that? that is nuts small world yeah he said like she showed him pictures and like video of him at like a barbecue or some shit and it's like holy shit it's the guy (laughs) that's nuts small world um bill skarsgård you think he's gonna play a bad guy another foil another assassin foil i don't know i don't know i think maybe Maybe this will be a little bit of trickery and he'll be a, a, a different kind of character than what we're expecting. But he also, in my opinion, can kind of do anything right now. Uh, I think he's like at the, the right age to kind of stretch, stretch himself, you know, as an actor and really see what, we, see what he can do. Um, I'm wicked excited. I can't wait for that movie. Yeah. I, I can't stop thinking about how it was supposed to come out like four weeks ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Ah, we'll get it. We'll get it. Uh, this was very weird, and I'm interested to hear what you all have to say about this. Peter and Bobby Fairley have begun working on a sequel to their 1996 cult comedy, Kingpin. Oh, yeah. we were just talking about Dumb and Dumber. Oh, no. And then Kingpin. I didn't know that. Oh, man. So those are the guys. Uh, they directed uh, Green Book, uh, Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin. What, what else? There's Another- something about Mary. That was them. Ben Stiller, yeah. Um, oh boy, I love King. <laughs> I love Kingpin. Uh, one of my favorite random Bill Murray performances. One definitely one of my favorite Woody Harrelson performances. Uh, that's disappointing. That movie should be left alone. Uh, I don't even have any cool ideas for a sequel for that. You know, just as like a big fan of it, there's just leave it alone. Well, I feel like there's no way they can use like any of the principal actors. I mean, Bill Murray hates doing sequels. Woody Harrelson, I feel like, is too good for that now. 
And Randy Quaid has been on the run from like imaginary government operatives. So he's, it's not happening. I don't, I don't think this makes it past the development stage. Oh man. Yeah. That's for, I didn't know that. <laughs> Do you own it? Uh, I don't know if I own Kingpin, honestly, I'm not sure. But I don't know yeah. Kingpin either. It's it's a I funny movie, it. but I haven't. I've only watched it one time. I remember thinking like, this is funny, but I don't know if I'd go back. Oh yeah, I've definitely gone back. Yeah, I've watched it a few times. It was on Netflix for a long time, and I watched it. Yeah, just like with friends and stuff, and just hanging out. It was a good. It was a good background noise movie as well. If you're just hanging out, like playing like Cards Against Humanity or yeah. something, just having on in the background. Oh yeah, this part's great. You know. One of, the, one of those like 90s comedies that just kind of just delivered for me. So yeah, that's something. <laughs> oh, I always like the whole Amish fish out of water thing. It's, it's cool to see Bill Murray play a bad guy. You don't see that very often. Yeah. He's got his charm. Yeah. And Woody, Woody, love Woody to death, you know? Yeah. I love, I love the weird different phases of his career like this and like Ed TV and White Men Can't Jump. And then you see him in, you know, like, years after that and like true detective and it's just what that's the same fucker you know it's crazy <laughs> yeah he's had a very odd career i love it you know just random oscar nominations comedy drama horror he kind of goes all over the place yeah oh yeah he's he's and he's not too good for anything you know like yeah he's he's super locked in in the planet of the apes he's super there and present and i, I really appreciate when guys can do that and then also like you said be be kind of like a heat check performance guy in three billboards outside Evan, Missouri. You know, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Now he's, you know, he's playing fucking carnage. Like this yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which like, fuck, we've all been waiting for, for a long time. Right. It is nice to finally get to see these movies that I was, you know, we were supposed to see like a year ago. We've been seeing previews for two years, like in the Heights, for example, you know, has been just kind of there for so yeah. long and now we don't have to hear about it anymore and that's not anything negative about the movie it's just like i'm done so yeah, i felt the same thing about spiral <laughs> just oh, yeah so it's it's good it's positive yeah definitely here come, the, the waves will not stop yeah <laughs> uh, this was interesting darren lynn bousman of the saw franchise has been tapped to direct a horror movie about the infamous lalaurie mansion in new orleans it's being written by Chad and Carrie Hayes, who wrote The Conjuring. So they might be bringing the LaLaurie New Orleans uh, myth into the Conjuring universe like they did with La Llorona. So that could be interesting. Hmm. What do you think about that? I need to know more about this, like about the subject of the movie. But I think that'd be really cool because I know there's a lot of like probably good storylines just within like the culture in Louisiana. Yeah, and so that'd be really cool to see incorporated in like the um, the franchise. Yeah, I'm awful. I know the story of the Lollary Mansion vaguely. Um, the true story is that she was like a weird woman who kept to herself. It was like her high society pals didn't like her, so they made up a whole bunch of evil shit and got her like demonized. The fake story is horrific as shit, and I urge you to check that out. <laughs> the myth is like evil as hell and would make a very compelling conjuring-esque horror movie so yeah probably like a lot like the skeleton key you remember that movie yeah yeah holy shit <laughs> <laughs> i haven't heard that in a long time 
Well, yeah, yeah, they, they have some making up to do for me from after conjuring through the step it up. <laughs> yeah, I've been it's been a few years of disappointment in that franchise. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just the the bar was set very high back in 2013. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, I'm still waiting on that Crooked Man movie, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen or how it would even happen. Tell me about that. <sighs> Fuck, man. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's hoping this works out. Darren Lynn Bousman has already proven his resilience with, you know, the Saw franchise. He, I think he'd be an interesting name for this. Um, James Wan has announced the title of his Aquaman sequel, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Perfectly generic for DC. I'd expect nothing less. Uh, <laughs> it's currently set for release December 16th, 2022. Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Patrick Wilson, Tamara Morrison, and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II are all returning. So most of the cast, pretty much everyone but Nicole Kidman is coming back. Yeah, she said, uh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, she got her check and just walked all the way over to Lucille Ball. Uh, <laughs> I like well, the... They kind of do, you know, paycheck and then like a biopic. Yeah. Yes. Let me go for my Oscar now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I was there. Let's go back. Yeah. Boy Erased uh, didn't work out too well for me. So, yeah, I think I need to take another lap. That's that's definitely what she's doing. Uh, speaking of DC, just, you know, fucking around uh, as usual. How about Loki? That was pretty dope, huh? Mm, haven't, you- haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet. What? I've had family in town. I haven't had the opportunity. That was pretty cool, man. I like that first episode. Uh, I didn't know Owen Wilson was going to be in it until like a few did like just a few days before it came out. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna ah uh, yeah you're gonna love it, man. No, I, I really want to watch it. I, Holy <laughs> hell! Too much podcasting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been the podcast, and then just kind of taking my dad to random places. Yeah, not enough time for just TV. Yeah. It's good, um, though, man. Good, yeah. though. They just they continue to raise their own bar over and over. Uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. Like, we're just like, this is crazy. This is an episode of television. There's going to be seven more of these bad bad boys. Yeah. Like, just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's like a game changer. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, though. I don't, I mean, I feel like they're waiting too long to capitalize on Aquaman's success, especially now with the whole Amber Heard shit. I think that's going to cause a, a big backlash with this. You like the first one? The first one was all right. It didn't really get my attention fully, to be honest. And yeah. I don't think it's going to help them by casting Amber Heard. I don't, I mean, they already aren't really captivating the audience with their storylines enough as right. is. Yeah. So exactly. I feel like you would want them to be careful. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't think they care. It's crazy yeah. how, like, after all of this, they still don't get it. <laughs> I mean, right. What and, needs? What do they need to understand here? Like, already people kind of don't care about their movies, and you're gonna just continue to keep her on despite massive fan backlash. I don't think this works out. <laughs> I think Aquaman two is gonna bomb. Yeah, it, and what sucks is it's it is mostly like the legacy of DC's, you know, its characters in this era of it. It's just at stake, and they don't take it seriously. 
And that gets, that gets really frustrating because then you have people uh, not like us who would care, who would be in the theater like, oh, yeah, if they were taking care of it, but they don't. So the people who are going are just kind of lackluster, don't really care. They're yeah. it's just going, just I'm just going to go check out a movie. It's not, it doesn't become an event the way it could be with how amazing these characters are, you know? Yeah. And we've seen, and we've seen that we've just, seen, you know, Marvel is the superior. They've just continued to, with stuff like Loki and WandaVision and the shows they're doing are better than the DC movies. So yeah. there's just no comparison. You know, the, the the craft and the storytelling ability is it's not even close right now. And so, like, you have to take risks, right? You would think. Like, like even, even, even Joker, which is not really a DC, that was risky and it fucking worked, you know, uh, doing Joaquin and making it as intense as it was do stuff like that with like Aquaman, you know, maybe cast someone. I'm not, not meaning risky in the Amber Heard way, but get someone who maybe hasn't done a superhero movie yet. You know, maybe get someone who's got, got a whole different gravitas, you know, to, to like, a. I, I don't know, man. I, I just think there's, so many decisions they um, they could be making that are, are again lackluster and it's frustrating as hell. Well, they still they didn't learn their lesson with Joker because they just announced a sequel to that. So they just they still don't understand what works and what doesn't work. Um, yeah. I also, I remember hearing something about like they were considering replacing Amber Heard with Amelia Clark, and then Marvel scooped her up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. That'd be interesting to see Momo and Amelia Clark kind of re. That's what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. I would, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a shame that DC has failed so many times, but also never used that failure as a way to kind of revamp and take a new direction with things. They just accept the failure and don't like pick apart why it failed. They're just like, all right, that's, you know, scrap that and focus on this now. That's Marvel has never done that. You know, it's a, it's a, it's built, everything builds towards something. Correct. With DC, it's just every movie's kind of there, but it's all like, it's all, it feels like pieces of a, of a different puzzle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so a hundred years from now, who gives a shit, you know, like your legacy is nothing, but the Marvel movies are going to be, it's, it's still, it's still some from Iron Man one to right now, it's still, Something that like you kind of have to care about every piece, yeah, because it's all a part of the same puzzle. Like you're saying, complete opposite to DC. It's crazy. Yeah, at this point, you know, it's VHS and Betamax. It's so it's you know PlayStation and Sega Dreamcast. Yeah, like, it's the one that's gonna last and the one that's gonna just be stuck in the dirt, impossible to grow. Yeah, and also, what? Aquaman one used like his two best enemies already you know master and black manta are like they used them already what now where do they go from there (laughs) yeah and that that movie was just okay so yeah uh, pretty scary to think about what's gonna happen next (laughs) unless i see aquaman literally like cut off his own hand like he did in the cartoon no i'm not in like i want to see the claw it's a big deal for me (laughs) Maybe James Wan. I don't know. Who knows, man? Yeah. Just, yeah. 
that's the thing is your expectations you don't even know where they're supposed to be with these movies anymore no i know it's uh, every time i see a marvel movie i'm like this is going to be great every time i see a dc movie i've got my fingers crossed like please don't suck yeah yeah yeah. i don't want my day ruined just come on try yeah yeah that's sad that's sad yeah like you said you you know you know you're gonna get something worth your time yeah and that's all that's 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 all we ask for right when you have just millions and billions of dollars to spend (laughs) well here's something that came out of nowhere that really excited me an animated lord of the rings movie was announced from uh japanese director kenji kamiyama It's going to take place in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings canon with plans for a big screen release as soon as possible. It's called The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, and it will tell the epic story behind the fortress of Rohan known as Helm's Deep. So it's going to be an anime-style Lord of the Rings movie that takes place in the Peter Jackson canon, and it's going to tell Helm's Deep's story. Jeez, that (laughs) is really cool. Talk about... Talk about some, see, that's the kind of stuff I'm cool with, yeah, building on. I'm, I'm always curious about different areas of uh, the Lord of the Rings, you know, map. So, I'm, yeah, that's fantastic. I'm on board as long as they get Howard Shore to score the movie. Ooh, man. That's so exciting. You know, I'm more excited for that than, that sh- than the show, you know. That show is never going to happen. That show was supposed to happen like five yeah. years ago. They keep yeah. talking about like they're like fans are like no nudity, but Amazon's like, but we can. And the fans <laughs> are like, but you shouldn't. And now we're back to square one. Like the littlest complaint just scraps everything every yeah. time. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Cause you know, Lord of the Rings fan, like Tolkien fans and Lord, they don't want to, they don't want it to copy Game of Thrones. Right. And just be like, Oh, we're going to be the medieval thing that, has nudity they want no that's not what the movies have that's not what the books have so let's leave it be (laughs) it just halts everything for another five years (laughs) this is why you know the tolkien estate has held on to the silmarillion and all the other short stories and stuff because they don't want Mm. those stories to go through the same shit that the hobbit franchise and now this show is going through it's yeah i don't blame them i'm surprised they let this one get greenlit maybe because it's an original idea i don't know yeah crazy man animated Lord of the Rings I'm in <laughs> yeah this is going to be exciting and finally I hate to end these things on a sad note but I kind of do every time um, this happened earlier today veteran Oscar nominated character actor Ned Beatty has died in his sleep at 83 years old uh, Beatty received his only Oscar nomination for his performance in 1976's Network but is also known for his performances in such films as Superman Deliverance, Silver Streak, All the President's Men, and Toy Story 3, just to name a few. He will be missed. He was always one of those like super reliable character actors who always turned in a great performance. You know, he's, his brief scene in Network is memorable and deserved the nomination. And, you know, of course, Lotso, fantastic vocal performance that, you know, has really resonated as one of Pixar's best villains. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh... Lotso and he's the the voice of the mayor in Rango. Those would be the two first times I was like, who's that? You know, who's this guy? I was was 15 when Toy Story 3 came out. And those are the, those are the little things that you need to kind of, I've always talked about this when these people pass away, there's something that you can kind of recall that made you aware of who they are. 
And for me, and probably all three of us, is probably Toy Story 3. And that's really special. And then, yeah, oh, man. Uh, the stuff he's doing in Network is really special. Uh, that's an awesome, awesome 70s movie. And he, he's, yeah, like you said, going to be missed. Kind of a guy who did everything. Yeah. It wasn't Toy Story 3 for me, uh, regrettably. As a kid... Uh, I watched uh, Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments. Ah, uh, here we go. Here we go. I should not have been watching that as a child. And I watched that every Halloween for like eight years. I know. I, yeah, I've heard you talk about this. Oh, yeah. I love, this has happened before. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the, like some of the greatest horror movies in history, I knew the twist because of this damn countdown. And it was scary. That countdown's terrifying. But Deliverance is one of the films in that countdown. So my first experience with Ned Beatty was watching him get down on all fours by a, you know, by a redneck who's about to rape him. So not the best uh, intro to Mr. Beatty. But thankfully, you know, down the road, I was able to experience his performances properly. So, yeah, yeah, that's a wild movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Charlie Wilson's War. I like him a lot in that. That's right. Uh, I forgot about that one. But yeah, that's one that's definitely been brought up on another podcast with you and I. And yeah, he's he's everywhere, every decade. He has 166 acting credits. Jeez. Wild, wild. He was often, he was called one of the busiest actors in Hollywood. The dude was always working since like the 60s. Yeah, all the way, yeah, all the way to 2013 when, looks like when he retired. Crazy. Yeah, and you know, he died in his sleep peacefully. 83 years old, lived a full life, full career. Good for him. Hell yeah. Oh, um, so that is what happened last week in film. Uh, before we get into In the Heights, I would like to say a little bit about the other film that came out this week, Infinite. The film that was supposed to be the big one for Paramount Plus. Uh, I would argue a lot of people don't have Paramount Plus because, I mean, unless you're really into Star Trek, there's really not much else to go with on that one. Uh, but I have it because we signed on, we got CBS All Access a long time ago, forgot the password and just never canceled it. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely don't have it. No. No, he, it, she looked at me like, should we have watched that? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I, I took one for the team here. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. No, no. Antoine Fuqua is, 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 cool and all but got some major misses and it sounds like this is one of them i can't believe this was from the same guy who did training day i mean jesus yeah. christ this was bad <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've i've read i've read read some things yeah <laughs> i mean before I, when i saw the trailer i thought oh the highlander people are gonna be pissed and then i watched it and i'm like oh so are the matrix people <laughs> this, is, this movie like rips various tropes out of every sci-fi and fantasy book you can think of. I mean, it's got the chosen one. It's got the, you know, ancient civilizations. It's got the warring factions throughout history. It's got reincarnation. It's got Mark Wahlberg. It's got everything <laughs> you can think of. And he does not care. You can tell from the beginning, he does not care at all. It's, oh my God. Yeah, man. Mark Wahlberg. What a, I don't really know how I feel about him, you know, like as his career, you know, of course there's things that I think he is 
spectacular in the other guys. Uh, I think that like he, he gets outshined at moments by Will Ferrell, but man, he's really holding his own. And then of course, you know, like boogie nights, I adore there's, there is, and in the, the departed, he's, he's great in that there, there's so much fluff though, especially from the past few years where, what are you doing? What is this? Like, like what, you know, I, I didn't think he was already past that point where he's like, yeah, I just don't give a shit anymore. I'm just, I'm just gonna get paid. Uh, look at the synopsis yeah. here. Like, what that, the yeah. fuck? Like, a man discovers that his hallucinations are actually visions from past lives. I, I, yeah, I mean, and Connor basically just said that, but yeah, like all these other movies that it's copying. I, yeah. I, I feel like I can judge this movie without even seeing two seconds of it. I, I got mixed feelings about Mark Warburg. You know, I mean, he had that fantastic triple threat with Peter Berg, where he did Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, and Patriots Day. Those were great. Like he brought oh. it. Yeah. I like I like a couple of the I don't know they haven't really I don't know they haven't really stuck with me I guess uh, deep water Horizon, deep deep water horizon has some really really strong moments uh, and lone survivor is 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 uh, one of the more honest I think uh, like realistic uh, war movies that they try to really nail the landing on what the guys are using weapons and gear yeah and that's that's pretty cool. That's that's a fair that's a fair shout, yeah. But somewhere around like 2018, I mean, he just stopped caring. I mean, he just kept doing, you know, like the Mile 22, Spencer Confidential, Daddy's Home too. I mean, god damn, like Academy <laughs> Award nominated actor Mark Wahlberg, which I still every day I can't fucking believe that. Um, <laughs> and now he's got infinite the movie that basically showed paramount plus like that paramount plus used to show all the other streaming services that it is in no way a threat <laughs> i mean if this is the quality of films they're going to be po- focusing on like yeah i don't think netflix has anything to worry about <laughs> yeah fucking yeah. crackle doesn't need to worry about paramount plus <laughs> this cast really is something else isn't it yeah <laughs> um Jason Manzukis, Dylan O'Brien. Really? Dylan this O'Brien is... is in it for five minutes, by the way. Oh, okay. He's like the fourth build person. I, yeah, I hate when they do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll ever watch that movie. <laughs> the only one who's really trying is Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's, he usually he's the bad guy. And he's he used, like, yeah. ancient, immortal... He's, he's the fucking, you know, what is it? The Krug from Highlander. He's okay. Clancy Brown, you know? And, God. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to try to explain this. It is so nonsensical. Okay, so in this universe, there are beings known as infinites. And they are reincarnated every time they die. They come back with all the memories and skills of their previous lives. Okay. Which trigger at puberty. Uh, cool idea. In yeah, it, it can be, yeah. <laughs> yeah it could right. be, yeah. In the right hands, yeah. Um, within the infinites are two warring factions. The believers, who are the good guys, who are like, spread the wealth, and the nihilists, who believe in nothing. And they want to destroy everything, and they want to die. But the only way they can die is if they kill everything else so they don't reincarnate into anything else. Okay. okay. And... 
I know, right? Uh, Edgy of four plays Bathurst, who's been like the head of the nihilists for like 2000 years. He was a caveman. And then he was like Julius Caesar. And then he was like Hitler or some shit. I don't know. And uh, he's like, I want to kill everything. So he creates this bomb called the egg that when triggered wipes out all life on earth. And the good guys are led by this dude named Treadway, who they worship as a fucking God. It's ridiculous. Like no one has else has any skills because they're like Treadway will handle it. It's, it's crazy. And he steals the egg. It's that's Dylan O'Brien at the beginning. He, he, he dies somehow. And Mark Wahlberg is the next Treadway, but he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And yeah, the whole movie, he's like, what? No, I'm, I'm not immortal. Like angrily, like he always does. And they capture him and they're like, fuck you. All right. For you to be immortal, we got to kill you first. And he's like, no, uh, well, okay. Like he's, he's so like, absolutely not. A second later, he's like, well, I got to do what I got to do for the planet. Like it's such a <laughs> quick 180. <laughs> oh, oh man. God. Fuck. Yeah. Go fuck your mother. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he has like, they drown him and then he wakes up and he's like, I remember everything. Let's save the world. But there's no difference in the character at all. <laughs> Fucking Jason Bourne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes from dude from Boston to savior of the universe, but he 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 changes nothing in his performance. <laughs> oh, good lord! This was just so stupid. I. <laughs> what what did you give it? What rating? I gave it a six, and honestly, that mostly comes from the the action sequences are decent. And Chiwetel really does want to do something with this. He really is trying to hold this together. He's Atlas with the world on his shoulders here. <laughs> it's, yeah. And I know he's a fantastic actor. I really like him. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised that he would bring it. Uh, I just wish somebody else had, you know, brought it too. That would have been nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the guy, uh, Jason Mansukas, uh, he's basically just Pimento from Brooklyn Nine-Nine the whole time. There's, he's that uh-huh. guy again. Starting to think he's a bit of a one-trick pony. A little bit, yeah. And I found out that this book, this was based on a book that basically had to be bribed into Hollywood. The guy who wrote it was like, I'm going to give a bonus to any agent in, who can get my book to Hollywood and eventually found its way to Hollywood. And here we are, which is kind of amazing. Good job, Paramount Plus. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, this was their flagship. This was their, we're here, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, beware. And uh, no, no, you don't have to beware. This this is, I mean, keep going with your Star Treks. You're doing great, but maybe backpedal it on the films. I think you don't, you know, not a good start. Not a strong start. No, no. And, and it's it's so difficult to even compare even, the, the quality and quantity of content that's coming out of like even Apple TV plus, you know, and, and, and these and to Netflix, it's just crazy. Apple TV plus I, when we first started this specific podcast, I, I expected them to be a lot more involved. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. One, the, the, one movie we did one <laughs> cherry and then they just stopped making movies. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's very, been very underwhelming, the, the stuff that they're kind of advertising and trying to put out. It's crazy. And it's like, yeah, I, 
you expect the same thing that's going to happen to Paramount Plus, just kind of fade away. Yeah. I mean, you can rebrand as much as you want. You're still CBS All Access. And <laughs> nobody had that. Paramount Plus. Ooh, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> you can't just throw plus on a studio name. Disney can do it because they're fucking Disney and they have yeah. a, a, you know, hundred years worth of content that people actually want to watch. Yeah, the plus doesn't mean a goddamn thing with them. It's about Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Paramount plus what? Like what? What's the plus? Is this the plus? Do I just get an infinite amount of shitty Mark Wahlberg movies for my like 14 a month or however much it costs? Yeah. Plus? I don't want it. <laughs> oh, I kind of love when I get a bad movie because I enjoy roasting a bad movie. <laughs> it's a hobby. It's like a, you know, it's a skill at this point. It's a fucking lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, Infinite. Uh, I recommend not signing up for Paramount Plus specifically to watch this movie. That would be a bad move. And if you're like me and you don't remember your password and can't seem to figure out how to change it or get it back and you're just kind of stuck with Paramount Plus, check out some Star Trek. Yeah, there you go. It's got some TV you can go for on there. <laughs> I think a lot of Nickelodeon stuff's on there too. So yeah. Yeah. Watch some SpongeBob. Reboot on Paramount Plus. Ooh. I don't know about. Yeah, I think it is. No, I don't know if I want to watch that. Though. Uh, no, it's like a completely different animation. Like it's like claymation. Oh no, three D ish kind of reboot for Rugrats. And oh, I believe man. it is on Paramount Plus. They did like a sneak preview of it on like Nickelodeon at like nighttime, and it was like this is different. This yeah. is not my childhood. Well, I love that all the people who liked Rugrats are people our age who were like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Rugrats is tight. They misjudge their audience. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's all about that. With Rugrats, it's all about that kind of like pastel light, those yeah. light kind of lighter colors and the yeah. all that stuff is super nostalgic and changing that is Well, they change more idea. than just like the animation style as well. Like some characters are different. Oh, uh, yeah. Like they have I mean, different backgrounds now. Like the twins' mom is no longer married and she's like oh, a part of the LGBT community now. I understand that. I always thought that character was gay yeah. as I a mean, kid. yeah. But man, I just don't want to like Tommy, <clears throat> Tommy's, you know, Parents. charisma. Oh. Like I don't want that to ever change because Tommy yeah. was one of my heroes. Tommy Pickles just a really good leader, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, as like, a child, like, toddler, Fucking, baby? Yeah. yeah. Of, the, of the baby crew? Yeah. I mean, think about how many times he made Chucky feel, like, just, like, validated like, yeah. in, his, in his feelings, you know? Like, dude, you're okay, Chucky. Chuckster, you're gonna be alright, bro. And, and yeah, yeah. Tommy was great show. a great friend. Didn't think we'd talk about Rugrats this much. You said Paramount Plus, and then you said Netflix. I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Because yeah. I saw the preview. I was like, what the hell is this? I kind of hate living in the age of the reboot, where everything is just done again and again and again. I, yeah. I, I resent it. It gets tiring after a while. Like, I'm really hoping that no one else releases a reboot of a cult classic of anything. Because they never almost they almost never live up to like the the hype that we had before. No, and that in that isn't it scary as you get older, you realize that's not the point for them. The point is to make yeah. money. Yeah. And you're like, as a kid, you're like that oh, it like crushes your dreams. Like, why wouldn't you want to make something better than the first one? Yeah. 
like well because it's easier to just you know to make money and not worry about it <laughs> like i often think how many batman am i going to see in my lifetime i mean <laughs> we're already like you know 26 years old kilmer clooney bale affleck pattinson i'm already up to five batman <laughs> and that's not even counting all the animated ones yeah oh yeah not even cool you know that's a whole other bag of bag of dudes that are, <laughs> that are just voicing him over and over and keaton's coming back in the flash so i'm counting that there's another batman yeah jeez my lord it's yeah it's tiring you know keeping all this shit straight uh no let's talk about something that was original and entertaining and optimistic in the heights it was based on the Broadway musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who would later achieve worldwide fame and success with his musical Hamilton. Uh, In the Heights debuted on the Broadway stage in March 2008 and was nominated for 13 Tony Awards and won four, including Best Musical. So Hamilton already had a, I mean, uh, Miranda already had a massive success on his hands before Hamilton, which was, you know, just catapulted him to even more success. And that's just great. This dude is a musical genius. I mean, holy hell, just you know, th- adding, a, you know, the addition, putting rap on the Broadway stage was the smartest thing New York has done in a very long time. <sighs> yeah, I agree. I think uh, <clears throat> it's completely re- rejuvenated the genre. Uh, he he kind of single-handedly, I think, has made it, made it a part of culture again where I think musicals were, they've always been a part of culture. They always will be, but now, now, now it can kind of boom again. Uh, and that, that's, that's, that's really cool. It's not like one of my favorite genres, but it's really cool to see it done in a whole, whole new way. Yeah. Uh, where, where representation matters. And like you said, using kind of hip hop and rap and to tell history and tell stories is, yeah, is, 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 is pretty cool. I agree. I remember the insane cultural impact Hamilton had. I mean, everybody was talking about it. I had never seen that from a Broadway show, like ever. No. And then I was paying attention and I was looking at Broadway like, oh, well, what do they got? <laughs> and yeah, now I, you know, I hope one day when I'm, you know, 50 years old and can finally get some, I'd like to see Hamilton. <laughs> I can finally get tickets. I want to see it. Yeah, I don't know. I would. Do you want to see it? You you would, or you would want to see it? A part of me is very curious, just as like the inner choir kid that I was when I watched a bunch of musicals. So I would like to see how he's impacted because he's definitely made a change. You hear his name all the time now, especially with Hamilton, and it's on Disney Plus. So I have no excuse now at this point not to watch at least that version uh, of it. Yeah. It'd be great to if I do like it to see it on Broadway. That, that concert movie was good, but I do want to see it done the way In the Heights was done, where we get like a, a film version of Hamilton. I would, you know, the history buff in me would fucking kill to see that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty, pretty special. I, I take, you know, I'll be honest, I take major issue with uh, like when something gets big culturally, uh, it becomes, oh, only these people are able to see it and these yes. people are not. It's yeah. Very- very very frustrating because then you have people seeing Hamilton and it's like a fucking totally white crowd. 
it's like, man, what's up with this? And, you know, I, I know um, a few people who, you know, who have, who have been and, and they tell me how much they paid for it. And I'm like, what? Like that cost a fucking arm and a leg, dude. Like that's, that would change. That would, that would like dent my life. So yeah. it's, it's very hard to kind of like, for me to swallow stuff like that, you know, and I'm a big sports fan and I feel the same way when sporting events, you're, you're not allowing just people, all people to get access to this. That's fucking crazy. And, and it, I also know like you, 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 it's like supply and demand. The people are willing to pay it. So why not? But it's just, it, it's hard to wrap my head around. You know who hated that so much? Billy Joel. Yeah. You know what he started doing? Billy Joel does not let people buy front row tickets to his show. What he does is because he got tired of rich people, like, you know, just kind of blankly staring up at him just there because they yeah. can afford $3,000 seats. So he has his road crew go to the, the bad seats and grab genuine fans and put, he puts them in the front row. So he can have like, he can give an actual fan an experience. And that's pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, I, just, I like that little story. But I agree with you. Broadway is ridiculous in the way they price these things. It takes, you know, 10, 15 years for a show to, like, fall out of the public eye for, yeah. people, for people like us to be able to actually see this thing. Yeah, exactly, where it's like, oh, it's, it's done now. Now there's a whole new new hot thing. And, that, yeah, that, that sucks. It's like, well, and isn't it funny how, like, in, in the Heights – there's a lot of characters who are constantly thinking like, I'm just stuck right here. I'm never going to be able to get past that, like that wall, that barrier of like, Oh, I'm, I matter, you know? And yeah. that, that's super fascinating to me to think about how it's, that's what it's preaching. But it's also, man, like that, that whole life, the, the Broadway and the musicals and stuff is nothing, nothing I've ever really broken into or, or seeked a bunch of knowledge about because it's something that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to take part in. Uh, I, I really, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to like go do that on my own um, ever. Well, you can like, I mean, you can see like the classic shows and they tour. I mean, like they, they do like, yeah, and you can put a majestic downtown San Antonio for a decent price. And I've done that, but you know what I mean? The, if I want to see a show in New York city while it's actually, in its you know peak stages, it ain't happening. That's <laughs> no, I've made peace with the fact I'm never going to get to see a first one Broadway show because I'm never going to be in a position where I can afford a three thousand dollar ticket. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I have been to Broadway. I have seen. I saw Jersey Boys and I saw Chicago. Beautiful. And they were both very entertaining shows. I'm sure. Uh, I did get to see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the musical, on the West End in London. They were testing it there for Broadway, so I got to see that. That's cool. That was exciting. That was a fun show. I hope it's doing well, or it did well on Broadway. Uh, I know that they are doing the same thing with a Back to the Future musical in London right now, and that is something I might have to give up a good chunk of my savings account to go see. (laughs) Yeah, that's something you got to experience. Oh God. Yeah. It's uh I love live theater. Um I saw Jersey Boys at the Majestic as well. I've seen that show twice. Uh yeah, I just I do wish it was easy easier, uh, easily accessible. But you know, in the meantime, we got these film adaptations to give us a taste. 
a, yeah, a glimpse, a glimpse into it, right? And, uh, you know, you and I have done some talking about musicals on Oscar Sunday, and it's just a huge part of movie, of just the movie industry and the culture of it. So it's, they totally intertwine, you know, the stage and the screen. They're just always going to be kind of coexisting. Yeah, and I've, you know, we've talked about how we don't, we kind of hated the, you know, 20th century big budget musical for constantly just happening every year, being two and a half hours long and just not amounting to anything. You know, Dr. Doolittle, Hello, Dolly, like just these movies that we had to watch. (laughs) But, you know, a good musical can do a lot for you. It can really kind of pep you up. It can make you think about things. It can you know, get stuck in your head. And I feel like In the Heights is way more of like towards that side of the spectrum. I was very locked in. Like I, I liked it. I liked the characters. I enjoyed the, it made me, you know, kind of reflect on my own cultural heritage. I'm, I'm Hispanic and, you know, Peruvian, Dominican. And I, 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 I felt, I felt nice. It felt good to kind of see a movie that celebrated that in a very happy way. And yeah, I, I was, I, I like this a lot. Isn't it, isn't it crazy how there's not movies, other movies you can really lean on or not a lot of movies that you can lean on that do take pride in the culture. Isn't that kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah. It's all cartel and West side story. And I don't want West side story. I, I don't want it. No, neither do I. <laughs> We're not big West side story fans over here. Connor and I. I've seen I, it once it's all right i feel like some people would disagree with me heavily but oh yeah no yeah a lot of people would crucify us yeah (laughs) (laughs) how dare you one of the five greatest musicals ever yeah 10 oscars one of the most revered films in hollywood history and billberg likes it a little bit yeah yeah it's terrible i mean it's like i don't know how this turned into a basically just a like hating West Side Story, but I'll take it. Uh, I can't buy a gang that snaps. I don't care what the situation is. That's, well, that's my, that's my like main issue with a lot of musicals is there, there are always moments in them where I'm like, I, I cannot help but laugh a little bit at just the scenario or the situation when mm-hmm. I hear, yeah, like, like that is a perfect example of like, and I love uh, in front of the Concords, the HBO show. They have a whole thing where they make fun of it, where they go, "Stay cool, Brett. Stay cool." <laughs> and it's, it's so silly. Uh, Seymour Castle is actually in that episode. He's kind of making fun of it too, so it's really funny. Uh, cool. God, yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 it, it causes me to drift away when when musicals do that. There's a couple times in the Heights where I felt like. I was a little frustrated just because it, it it's just that's just not my thing, you know. And I tell. I've accepted that. <laughs> like there there are moments when I love the big, uh, you know, like ninety six thousand that part in the water, fucking incredible and just gorgeous and so much at play. But then when there's like a dramatic moment in a in in an apartment between two people, and she's like, "How do I repay your kindness?" I. Mm, then I feel like I'm watching My Fair Lady and I start, my mind starts going to different places and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, it takes me away. I liked My Fair Lady. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. But it reminds, I, I think it's like one of the posters of that era 
that 60s Long with West Side Story, where that they're all just, they're, I don't know, they're not movies that I want to consistently go back to. Fair enough. I did, there was the only scene in the, in, um, in the Heights that kind of bugged me was the nightclub scene where Usnavi and Vanessa kind of don't dance because it seemed so forced. Like, yeah. it was padding the runtime almost. Like, can't they just fall in love now? Why do we need it to happen at the end? Yeah, that too. I felt like that was kind of unnecessary. Like, there was no need for there to be, like, a fight in that scene. Or, like, like an they're argument. 15. Yeah, yeah. like, that's yeah. kind of, like, ridiculous in my opinion. A fight on the first date because she's dancing with other guys, but he didn't dance with her. Like, I mean, you could have written that better. yeah. Oh well, um, yeah. They, he he wanted a shot, and she got mad that he wanted to get shots. Yeah, one, at one point when she's trying to walk away, she's like singing like, or he says uh, he sings uh, like, "You were shaking it for everybody in the Heights." And yeah, like, uh, that's the shit that I just like. I can't, I can't, I can't stay with you on. That was these. so out of character for him. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it it was like, okay, is he is he twenty eight years old or is he like seventeen right here? What what's the deal here? Yeah. I, uh, that yeah, there are a few there are a few times like that. And uh, padding, good God, it does not need to be two and a half hours. This movie doesn't need to be that long. Um, I feel like it was man. kind of all. I mean, I feel like they should have focused on um, Usnavi's character only like and, the whole way. Yeah, like yeah, they shouldn't have had like several different storylines. I did not mind. Um, the abuela's storyline a little bit i feel like yeah that, yeah like, you can tell she's such a big like role in his life that was needed that was necessary but everyone else's storylines and putting that much detail into them kind of took away a little bit from like the focus in some ways in my opinion yeah it's a tough screenplay really tough i felt that nina her story and the like alluding to overt racism in california i feel like either go there or don't don't yes. just mention it like that yes that was like dude oh i yeah brianna and i were in the middle of the movie when that happened we were kind of like oh that felt like oh we gotta have this dramatic scene where we're trying to say something mm-hmm. and it, ugh, like you said they don't really put their foot in the camp and and, and really go there in fact she leaves and then her dad says let's go and it, like that's the end of the scene and that's that that felt a little yeah a little, little rushed there maybe yeah. a little forced <laughs> for sure um well what, do, do you want to begin talking about some of the like john i mean john m chu i mean this guy uh yeah crazy rich asians is very entertaining and so to me i felt like we were waiting too long almost for obviously because of the you know pandemic it felt like john chu like had, has just a huge gap in between these movies yeah. yeah um john m chu crazy rich asians was his big one mm-hmm. prior to this uh he has had just a run of bad movies uh yeah step up to the streets step up 3d gi joe retaliation gem and the holograms and now you see me too Man. he was concert movie as well that, that so might be like better than the scattered man <laughs> what a strange strange career well it's clearly found a niche here you know yeah. clearly ethnic rom-coms <laughs> that's that's, yeah. his, that's his that's his lane 
what's next yeah. <laughs> oh man oh boy um you, you like crazy rich asians i've never seen it really oh that's yeah. kind of surprising i think you i think you'd like it quite a yeah. bit it's real entertaining a lot of I've role, seen almost the entire movie out of order because we worked at, at draft house yeah yeah uh but i yeah i've never actually sat down and checked it out i think i think Bronnie, you could probably attest this better uh because I know you were reading a little bit about it, but I think some of the like sort of backlash that Chu got for Crazy Rich Asians is similar to, to In the, the Heights. Yeah. Of In the Heights, yes. right? Yeah. Basically, I was trying to get a little background because I saw some things that I was like, I wonder if this is rubbing people the wrong way. And I noticed that there's a lot of um, like white passing Latinos in the movie and not a lot of like Afro-Latino representation. And the only black person that is on like the main cast is not even like Latino. Yeah, it's Corey Hawkins. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was looking around to see like um just and apparently there's also been controversy about Crazy Rich Asians and a lack of like color in those in that movie as well. Like using a specific almost toned yes. person for like casting. Yeah. Yeah, and I I do appreciate like watching the movie like the scene where um when they're about to leave to go to the Bronx and she's trying to get everybody all like lived up and like actually give them like a proper like goodbye. I liked the representation of different cultures. Yeah. But there was also a lack of representation when it came to like colors and skin tones because you can be Afro-Latina, you can be like a dark-skinned Cuban or, you yeah. know. And there was a there was a little, little bit missing for me. But... I still think he did pretty good with like the choreo. I I think that's my favorite out of the entire movie. To just, mm-hmm. I mean the the lottery scene was pretty good. That yeah. was my favorite out of all of the um, dance scenes. I think because that was a lot to work with. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, as far as the backlash goes, I'm not I'm not surprised. I'm I'm upset. I don't think that's you know it, it does suck that. Again, you know, diversity is not properly represented. It's just, it seems like every movie doesn't or like claims it does and then doesn't. It's a weird kind of, you know, half in, half out thing that's happening in Hollywood right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in a film that celebrates cultural diversity, I would, you would have, you would think that would be the place. But think it's intentional or do you think he's just missing the mark a little bit like he's just not understanding what he needs to be doing or he could be doing i don't know if it's necessarily in john chu's control i think this seems like shit that comes down from the studio like you need to have this amount you know x amount of this certain race in this movie they do that shit and and it's and it's unfortunately still like still catering to to white people yeah so if 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 anthony ramos had you know had really dark skin you know is a, a cuban guy had really dark skin does he does he get this role i i don't know i don't know well it sounds like they probably were looking for a specific type of person because um well he's just wicked talented yeah. good god that he guy is. uh but but i really do think his look is is marketable and that's just like so mm-hmm. sad to say but that's what hollywood's done forever is like mar- let's just lend it to like yeah. our white audience you know and yeah. like make them feel comfortable i mean the two actresses um one who played nina and one who played Vanessa, yes 
Nina is actually Afro-Latina and she said she does wish that there was more representation in the movie because she does have siblings and families who are darker okay. than her okay. and said she really wished that they would have hit that part. And then Vanessa basically said there was a lot of Afro-Latina um, or Latino people auditioning, but they just didn't make the cut. They were looking for like a specific type of person, whatever that. Mm. That's fucked up. That's, that's not how it should be. It should, you know, in a perfect world, every perform every role goes to the actor who best personifies that character regardless of skin tone or like identity but this is america and yeah yeah little baby steps we're trying but still catering to specific groups you know and it's just that's annoying we are a you know centuries long alcoholic being asked to quit cold turkey in one day and that is not going to be easy. No. It sucks, but you know we got to take what we can get when it comes to positive news. <clears throat> yeah, I still think that regardless of the lack of you know diversity in that sense, that it still was able to bring a bunch of different cultures together mm-hmm. and show yeah. positive in that manner. I didn't think that, that me observing that and noticing that, but it actually have led to me discovering that kind of controversy but that still doesn't like completely ruin the movie for me at no, all. no like it still had its bright moments and that part alone besides like the whole lottery scene that part where like you see all the different cultures coming together and all the representation like this is really nice and there's probably some kid who's like I don't ever see like people who look like me or who are a part of my culture proudly representing it on screen and so that's still a positive step in a direction for like people who are underrepresented or represent i can't speak but you know what i mean they're not presented well in film correct yeah and it used to be i mean the poster people for musical was judy garland and gene kelly like well it's cool to see cool to see anthony ramos in that conversation just look at five years ago with la la land (laughs) Yeah, yeah, bang, there you go. Mamma Mia, La La Land, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 2016, yeah. Jeez, that does yeah. not feel like five years ago. Lost in the <laughs> Goodness. Uh, side note, did you guys know there were five Step Up movies? Yes, I went through an embarrassing phase in my younger days. I kind of like the first one on like a weird, like, well, yeah. this is shitty entertainment level. Yeah. Yeah. I was a part of me knew that it wasn't like a fantastic franchise, but for some reason, I watched them all. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're. you're I was. When was the last one? I don't even remember. I mean, Step Up One. What that you were pretty young. We were yeah. we were pretty young when that first came out. But yeah, I I love Channing Tatum. So seeing like, that's why. Yeah, seeing where he yeah. kind of came from is is funny. Step Up All In was 2014. That was the last one. Okay. Oh, I would just was like out of high school probably like a year. And you're like, before. fuck it, I gotta finish this shit. I, like I kept going. <laughs> oh, that's great. I like how like like I told you I was in theater, so I like watched a lot of dance yeah. and musicals in that part of my life. How was the three D in Step Up three D? Was it was it like <laughs> Jaws three D or was it like Spy Kids three D? It was like Spy Kids three D. <laughs> It, was, it didn't need 
to be in 3D. No. And even then, as being a fan, I was like, this doesn't need to happen. Why are we doing this? But I still watched it. And I could have I could have lived without 3D, to be honest. I felt <laughs> kind of silly, like watching a dance movie. And I got these stupid glasses on. I'm like, what, what's the point? <laughs> I always feel stupid with those glasses I do, on. yeah. I generally do, but like I'm watching a dance movie. Like, what's gonna pop out at the screen? Like when they flip the water in the dancing, that's cool, I guess. I feel like a total jackass with those glasses on. Like, you know what took me to my mom? (laughs) My mom was sitting next to me with with those stupid glasses. I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry you came to this. What year? I wonder what year that one was. 3D. Oh lord. Uh, let's find out. Step up. 3D was 2010. 2010. Sophomore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely in high school. Uh, so yeah, you could have seen The Social Network or, you know, True Grit or, you know, The King's Speech or something. 15-year-old Brianna was just really into dance movies, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, man. Shutter Island, even, you know, I don't know. <laughs> there were better options, I'll admit. But back then, I was like, this is it for me. My favorite thing about 3D movies is watching them on DVD and like ca- finding the moments where they were like catering to 3D when somebody yeah. would like throw something at the screen and it's meaningless now. Yeah. <laughs> but just thinking like somebody somewhere thought that was a brilliant idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> like like the end of Saw, Saw 3D, Saw 7, where Dr. Oh. Gordon's like game over and just hucks the saw right at the screen. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> That's like one of the worst parts of movie culture ever. Is 3D? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I remember when it used to like really suck. Like when I saw Spy Kids 3D and it had like the red and blue paper glasses. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see fucking anything. How is this? Oh my god. Like, dopey as hell 3d culture died quickly at the movie oh yeah i mean just roasted like wasn't the concert movie for justin bieber that john andrew also directed was that also in 3D? Oh, i don't think connor and i would know that I i'm gonna go ahead and take a hard vegas bet on yes probably <laughs> yeah that in itself i feel like it's worse than watching a dance movie in 3d because you're just watching some dude stand on stage it's like a hologram almost. yeah yeah is he like at least like I don't know, leaning into the screen or it's something. Like, like a reach out, it's like, you know, like Backstreet Boys, like in sync kind of like dance moves where like he's clearly trying to engage the camera, but it's like, this is kind of <laughs> stupid. Good Lord. I don't remember the last 3D movie I saw. I, I step up 3D for me. <laughs> it might've been a Marvel movie. I might've seen, I think I saw maybe Endgame in event in like IMAX 3D, maybe. But oh. I don't know. I forgot they were offering that for tomorrow. I might have wanted to do that. You know. I yeah, I can't do it. Can't. I can't do the can't do I, the 3D. I definitely saw gravity in 3D. That that was intense. That made me motion. That was interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I was like, I'm in space too. Oh my god. It's crazy. <laughs> Central. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about the cast here. Uh, Anthony Ramos plays Usnavi, a dreamer with a big heart. Uh, Ramos has also appeared in such films as A Star is Born, Honest Thief, 
and Godzilla King of the Monsters, as well as the Hamilton concert movie. So him and Miranda have worked together in the past. Um, he's set to be the new star of the Transformers franchise uh, mm-hmm. when that reboot gets off the ground. No, no. See, good for him, but no. I, I would rather him... He's 30 years old. Dude, come on, man. Don't be a part of a franchise. Like, Do some really cool creative stuff. You're a fucking star, dude. He's... In this movie, I really, I'm with you. Like, I just wanted to watch him the whole time. I, I was completely sucked in by just his eyes. Are, there's, he, he, there's no one I've ever seen on screen that has what he has. I agree. He's a talented kid. But I also get why, you know, you're going to take a meeting with Michael Bay and he's going to be like, kid, I want you to be, you know, the yeah. new, you're going to be the next Shia LaBeouf. What do you think about oh. that? Oh, please no. Please no. You're going to be the next Mark Wahlberg. What do you think of that? Oh, man. <laughs> There's some really fucked up alcoholic shoes to fill right there. Uh, good luck, kid. Uh, no. Eventually, one of these shows is going to find its way to one of the stars I constantly just shit on, and it's going to bite me hard in the ass. I know it. <laughs> I don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be somebody. <laughs> um, I don't remember him in... you remember him in A Star is Born? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved him. Uh, towards the beginning of the film, he's, he's, he's in it quite a bit. with He's Lady Gaga's friend at work. Okay. All right. Hanging out at the bar together. And, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I've only seen that one time, and that was at the movies. Oh, damn. Yeah. I like it. I just... It's not, a kind, it's not the movie I'm going to just put on, you know? No, I'm with you on that one. See, yeah, me and I'm like, yeah, just put that shit You've on. Put yeah. it on since we've seen it in theaters. I'm like, I I need to be in a mood for this movie because it quickly, not quickly, it slowly becomes dark. And I feel like you got to be in the right mindset to consume that. Yes. All of those stars born movies, all four are just, you know, waiting for the suicide. It's... It's, a, it's harsh, and I just, you know, it's not the kind of thing where I'm like, I'm feeling like watching Bradley Cooper hang himself today. Yeah, yeah. see, see, I'm, I'm waiting for that build-up to the moment where he's in the truck with Sam Elliott and... Oh, Bradley, again! Bradley so Cooper. sad, I don't want to see that. That's, yeah, that's, my, that's one of my favorite scenes, like, in the past 10 years of movies, like, when he's like, you know, I wasn't thinking about Dad, you know, I was looking up to you, man, and then shuts the door oh, and Sam God. just turns around like, turns around and puts car reverse and he's like i gotta get out of here (laughs) yeah i yeah i love that movie uh i think it's i think it's got a few few of its own issues but yeah it i love movies like i love movies that like like that though that just uh punch me in the face who the hell beat sam elliott at the oscars that year 2018 18 mahershala lee no 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 wait yeah i think it was for, for Green Book. Is right? that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting confused in my year. Yeah, that's right. Marshall Lee. No, that, that was Sam Elliott's Oscar. I didn't know he had it in him. I That was... Oh. Speaking of Sam Elliott, last night I watched half of The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's a lot more serious than you would think. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love, I would love to check that out. Sam Elliott, anything, you know, I'll kind of watch him in anything. You know, he's just one of the top five most fascinating voices I've ever heard. 
Um, Melissa Barrera plays Vanessa, an aspiring designer who wants to leave Washington Heights. Uh, Barrera has done a lot of telenovelas, and she's set to appear in the upcoming Scream sequel. So, very interesting. Which, and I don't know why every fucking studio does this, it's called Scream. I don't want to change it up even a little bit. I mean, turn like the C into a five. I don't care if it looks weird. Give me something. She's he's just in like a bunch of yeah straight up Spanish TV shows. Let me see. Maybe I might recognize them. Telenovela. <laughs> Tanto amor. Oh, no. Siempre tuya. A lot of yeah, a lot of shows. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those shows go on forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing but soaps. So then, yeah, then in the Heights, right there. So this is this is big for her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, then scream. So good for her. Um, Corey Hawkins plays Benny, who works at the local car dispatch. Hawkins has appeared in such films as Straight Out of Compton, Kong Skull Island, Black Klansman, Georgetown, and Iron Man Three. He also played Heath on The Walking Dead, the guy who just disappeared yeah. and was never seen again, despite them finding his glasses and teasing a return at some point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember that. That frustrated me. Benny. Benny in, in the Heights. No, no, no. He's, he's good in this movie, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't feel like uh, didn't feel like his character was um, necessary. I don't want to be that mean, but yeah, yeah, necessary. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed watching him because he yeah, played he's great. his part really well, but yeah, I see what you mean. Just, I, think, uh, I don't know. I think it's weird, especially for a musical, to have two parallel love stories happening at the same time yeah that are that are going ah, that are at times i got confused i was like wait i thought that was happening with the other people you know where like it felt like the similar like drama yeah it is kind of the same thing too that's weird yeah yeah well and also with with him and what's her name nina yeah uh they uh nina's like oh i need to leave home to like figure out who I am and like come back or whatever but then Anthony Ramos he's like no nah, like I gotta stay right here she's like wait what <laughs> what's the message here what, what I guess just do what you gotta do but I felt like it'd be more uh, effective if you stuck with one of those messages and kind of hammered it home I don't know leave home but come back yeah but come <laughs> back and you just stay just, just stay right here. And, and that reminded me of like fucking Orange County, you know, when he's like, oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Find your own way in life, but also don't. Yeah. But <laughs> it is a bit of a mixed message. Yeah. I like, I like the story of, especially, especially a, like a, a woman who's trying to carry her culture with her. I like the story of, of a woman leaving and coming home to kind of like, I just, whatever craft it is or whatever, I just perfected it. I'm going to come home and kind of flourish. I like that. One of my favorite um, chef's table episodes, there's a woman who leaves and moves back to Georgia where she was from. Oh yeah. And she just starts just dominating, you know, and is like, just totally, totally figured out. Oh, like the thing I love most is actually my, like my roots and the things that I grew up with. I'm going to go back and just kind of handle that. I love that storyline, but 
it was the secondary storyline in this movie and with Stanford and again the the story at dinner time was weird I didn't seem like it added up altogether but I normally love that kind of trope that kind of that kind of storytelling yeah I feel like this could be two different movies probably yeah. probably hmm. uh side note Corey Hawkins was in a movie I watched for one of the past episodes of sneak preview Georgetown with Christoph yeah. Waltz and Vanessa Redgrave Oh, that's right. Christoph Waltz's debut. Yeah. yeah. Not a great movie. Um, yeah. But Hawkins played uh, Waltz's lawyer, who was very much like, you are so full of shit, and there's no way I can defend you if you're not honest with me. And he's just like, what? I am a general in the Iraqi army. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> he had to deal with this con man who's so clearly manipulating everybody, and he sees through it immediately, and he's like, this is ridiculous. I'm your attorney. Let Help me help you. Like, he just gets so frustrated. It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> that's fantastic. And, and straight into Compton. Oh, it's got Ray? A, Fuck. Yeah, that's his best work, you know. Uh, and I couldn't help but think about, like, this Benny character would get his ass kicked by Dr. Dre. <laughs> 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 this Benny guy. Oh, <laughs> like, it's polar opposite of, of what i've seen Corey hawkins do like what I, in that movie just which is good good for him the the i didn't know he could sing like that Me neither. um that's how i that's what i thought about jimmy smith's uh dude jimmy smith's christ <laughs> almighty <laughs> we're gonna get to him i yeah. i love jimmy smith's we're gonna get to him <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leslie Grace plays Nina Rosario, a Stanford dropout who was uncertain about her future. Uh, she's a successful uh, Latina pop artist, and this is her okay. first album. Okay. Yeah. Nice. She's had a few albums, and uh, she's breaking into movies. Yeah, I see that. She just has seven acting credits, and a lot of them are just video shorts. So, well, they all are. Yeah. Except for Nina Rosario. Good for her. Mm-hmm. I... Her decision to be like to, to finally, you know, when she makes her decision to be a um, a lawyer for dreamers, uh, that doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> I was hoping for some kind of like she was going to be Sonny's, you know, lawyer or something like, you know, 10 years later or something. But no, she's just and she kind of spends like way too long uncertain. I, I don't know if that's just me. I'm I'm a fairly certain person. I was like, make up your mind. In or out, come on. We got two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. And there, uh, the, the pacing of the, the romance just made very little sense to me with the, with, with the two. Again, I don't, I don't think it's either of their fault. No. The performance, the performers. This just yesterday, what we talked about with the defiant ones. Mm. Sydney Poitier and Tony Curtis are doing their job just fine. There's just a few times with the screenplay where it just doesn't totally add up. And I felt like that happened with them too. They just didn't have the best stuff to work with, especially compared to Anthony Ramos. Well, like, you know, at the beginning, it's you kind of think that like Vanessa doesn't really know Usnavi and he's like pining for her, but then you like they've known each other for years and yeah. she's been in love with him. Like, it kind of bounces around a lot of tropes and doesn't commit to any one of them. And I'm not really sure what to think about this relationship like yeah i don't know i mean the big old red flags on the first date should have been like mm, this isn't gonna work 
yeah <laughs> probably isn't probably probably isn't good to continue this yeah um Olga Meredith plays Abuela Claudia, the kind-hearted woman who everyone in the neighborhood looks up to. Uh, Meredith originated the role of Claudia on Broadway and was nominated for a Tony. So she started this one. Uh, she's also had bit parts in such films as K-Pax, Music of the Heart, Mr. Popper's Penguins, The Place Beyond the Pines, and Requiem for a Dream. So she's had some interesting acting credits, but uh, it is cool that she was the original Broadway star and she is in the movie. Yeah, man. Her, she was great. She yeah. was really, and her, her kind of moment, you know, where she, when she's passing, that, that reminded me of 1979, all that jazz. I think I'm going to die. I was like, this is, this is really cool. That, that was a really cool way to kind of send her off. That was fascinating. Yeah. That was a great depiction of, you know, that moment of death where your life flashes before your eyes. Like, that's what it was. It was a really smart way to do that. So cool. Oh, made my grandma burst into tears, straight up. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. And she and Olga was just kind of killing it the whole the whole movie anyway. So when you have that kind of buildup, yeah. Oh, boy. Do you think a uh, potential Best Supporting Actress next year? I, I think that's, I think Anthony Ramos and her, yeah, for, that's, that's all I would, yeah, look at. And then, of course, some technical stuff because Jesus. Yeah. I think this thing, you know, has a shot of production design, cinematography. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think, I think, you know, anything having to do with sound, yeah, film editing, all that stuff could be, yeah, they could be looking at like eight or nine nominations. Sweet. Uh, Jimmy Smith plays Kevin Rosario, owner of the car dispatch and Nina's proud father. Smith is one of the most respected and versatile Latin actors working today. He played Senator Bail Organa in the Star Wars prequels and is perhaps most famous for his role as Detective Bobby Simone on NYPD Blue. He also played Nero Padilla on Sons of Anarchy and Assistant DA Miguel Prado on Dexter. This dude is a boss. I love Jimmy Smith. And uh, yeah, he's great in this. He's, uh, I think, underused. Yeah, I, I do think he, he's, he's the guy I like the most for sure in the movie. But, and I would say give him an Oscar nomination as well, but I, I, I'm with you. I think he's a bit underused and that kind of killed me because he has a, he has a way of uh, kind of, kind of embodying like, like drug dealer, dad, like all these different things that like any just adult male could be. He kind of, he kind of has it all and just, and he just, he, all he has to do is wear like an Oxford shirt and like slacks. And I, I, I'm like, this guy could be fucking Don Eladio or he could be, yeah, just as car salesman. It's really amazing. Did y'all ever see his bit in Dexter? I might have. I was trying to it's figure out where I've seen his face before. That might be where it is. You've seen The Get Down, right? No. You haven't seen The Get Down? He's in that. He's really good in that. Him and Giancarlo Esposito just shatter everybody else out of the building in that one. Um, I mean, it's, there's there's so many, yeah. so many. I mean, just in 1987, there's like four, four acting credits. Yeah, he's just kind of doing stuff nonstop since the 80s. I like I knew him in Star Wars, but I really yeah. paid attention to him with Dexter. He's the villain of season three, but you don't know he's the villain until like the last few episodes because he's the mm. good guy who becomes the bad guy, and oh, it was really smart. He's the assistant DA. 
Dexter accidentally kills his brother secretly and like starts a whole thing. He and Dexter become friends. He finds out who Dexter is and is like, I, I accept you as a brother. Teach me how to do it. And Dexter's like, I've never had a friend who knows what that I kill. Let's do this together. But then Miguel goes a little nuts with it, starts killing off book and challenges Dexter. It's a whole great cat and mouse thing. And the ending is so fucking perfect. It was the first season of Dexter I ever saw. So he's always kind of stuck in my head uh, because of that. God, dude, his, yeah. his, his Emmy nominations are just insane. Oh, he's been a like just mainstay of cop procedurals since the yeah. 80s. Well, yeah, it's, it's all LA law, NYPD blue, you know, uh, just bang, bang, bang. And then Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> was he nominated for Dexter? Yeah, 2009. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. That's great. Yeah. Outstanding guest actor in a drama series for playing Miguel Prado for episode Go Your Own Way. Miguel Prado. Yeah. And that Miguel season also Prado. delved into like Cuban heritage and like what, you know, him being a, a Cuban like very powerful Cuban figure in this neighborhood and how like everyone kind of looked up to him and Dexter knowing that he's a psychopath, like really having to kind of balance that was so smart. God, I miss when that show was good. <laughs> I really hope this new season works out. Uh, in the Heights has an IMDb score of 7.9, Rotten Tomatoes score of 96%. Grossed only about 11 million on a budget of 55 million so far. 55 million seems low. For what they were able to do. No. <laughs> Impressive. Uh, yeah. It'll be available to stream on HBO Max for the next month. Uh, you can also see it at your local theater, which we strongly encourage if you are vaccinated. Uh, this film needs some money. I want this to work so we can see that Hamilton movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think you think that they expected expected this? With the, with the, I mean, it was so heavily marketed as a HBO Max. Like, you know, do you yeah. think they expected this? Well, remember, originally it wasn't supposed to be. This was supposed to be a huge summer yeah. blockbuster last year. So yeah. I think that they are, you know, I think they're fairly disappointed. Uh, but, you know, they got, they got to work with like what, what they can get. Uh, I think they had to have expected it. I mean, we all know what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Quiet Place 2 did just break 100 million domestic, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, that's fantastic. So We're on our way back, but we're not quite there. Horror movie. Horror movie fans are, are more chomping at the bit than anybody. <laughs> that's for sure. Damn straight. Um, I mean, if I'm, you know, only able to see one movie, you know, I'm not going to go see the two and a half hour musical. I'm going to go see the horror movie. Straight up. 100%. 100%. Let's highlight some stuff about In the Heights. Uh, well, the musical numbers were quite spectacular. Uh, yeah, what's think, our favorite? yeah, what's what's your what's your favorite yeah. one? Probably ninety six thousand. I thought that was very well choreographed, very entertaining. I liked, you know, I can relate to that. We've all thought about, you know, what if I won the lottery? And I do like the the, the payoff we get of that later on was was really good. Yeah, is that your favorite? It's between that one and um, I don't know the name of the number. Yeah, I don't know the names of all of them. But uh, um, the one where she's about the Bronx, like the lady who owns the salon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I the, love. Uh, I think when the sun goes down. No wait. Uh, uh, 
that's that's Corey Hawkins and what's her name when they're like dan- which was that was kind of dope when they were dancing on the building. Maybe finale uh, or I don't know. Blackout? I think it's black blackout, maybe. Isn't blackout the big one in the in the alleyway or Carnival de Barrio? That's it. Okay, yes. Yeah. That's what you're yes. the, that's the big one. It's stuck between yeah. ninety six thousand. Okay, Daphne Ruben Vega. She is fucking lights out in this as well. Uh and she's I've seen her in a ton of shit. Same way with Jimmy Jim Smith's. I, I've seen them just all over the place. Yeah, that that part is just cool. Just mm-hmm. really cool. Uh that's when you get, I think, the most kind of representation. Yeah, most like representation. Culture, yeah. yeah. I like that part a lot. I I uh what is the name of the song the the abuela, the grandmother? Oh go down. It's Patricia the Right up under, right here. Paciencia y fe. Okay, patience and faith. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, cool, man. That was that was pretty, pretty spectacular. But see, then like champagne, I didn't like. It I all. didn't like champagne. I was either. like completely. Yeah, that was weak. <laughs> Done without champagne. That's the one where I was saying I couldn't stand when she's like, "How do I repay you?" That's what I was. Okay, that so was like, am I watching issue. Beauty and the Beast right now? I yeah. Felt that... like, yeah, I feel like it happened with her character a lot, where it kind of just felt like she was. Like it started off the, the the musical numbers with kind of like it could have been cut or didn't need to be mm-hmm. used, and I feel like that's what a lot of people who don't like musicals are like. Oh, I don't like musicals because of this because they just randomly start breaking out in song and it doesn't make yeah. any sense until the actual number happens. That musical number felt like a nod to the apartment. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. unearned. Yes, yes, but like without even. <laughs> saying it or admitting it yeah <laughs> that's funny i'm totally unchecked it's got some great musical numbers though in the heights would be my my third i know that's like yeah. the opening scene but pretty like, dope yeah um uh it's funny how lynn manuel miranda like the character he plays he's just like the typical neighborhood guy you yeah. know he's just like hanging out did you guys catch the post credit scene yeah okay it was really cool the volume was turned down and i was like what the shit is this yeah. so we didn't get to see the whole thing but i had turned it down and i, I but i definitely noticed that he, he had like a post-credit scene yeah, so, so yeah what what exactly happened uh the guy his character who was selling like shaved ice um the ice cream truck either broke down or he broke it down i didn't catch that part <laughs> but ice cream truck broke down and he started selling all his treats and then he gives one to the ice cream truck guy like a truce oh okay the guy who was banging on the yeah Yeah. but the guy's eyeing him like i know you had something to do with this yeah (laughs) so yeah of course it was cool seeing him you know in 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 the background as kind of like a like a witness to all this i thought it was a good role for him yeah oh my goodness Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure yeah. he will be. I mean, look at all just oh, Lin Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. This, I would, yeah, for score, mm-hmm. best song, yeah, yeah. That's where it, but it's best original song, yeah, but yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. That's where musicals like at stage musicals kind of falter in those categories because it's all adapted, but usually they'll throw like one new one in, but I don't think this film did. No, I don't think it did. No. Um, outside the musical numbers, are there any like moments that you want to kind of spotlight? 
Um, I thought the young boy was interesting. Sunny? Uh, Yeah. uh, I thought, like Connor mentioned, or you mentioned earlier how you thought maybe that that we were going to get some payoff with uh, Nina and him. Yeah. But we didn't really. I just thought he was interesting. I thought he did a good job of kind of uh, representing like how, how teenagers are and yeah. you know just kind of how they talk how they treat things and how they, how how now you can talk to like 16 17 year olds and it feels like they have way more knowledge than you know yeah. 16 17 year olds did back you know 20 years ago or whatever because they have to you know have phones and are reading and constantly can be growing and learning and I feel like this kid was kind of the good side of that like the good part of that mm-hmm. a kid who's curious a kid who wants to learn like wants to do wants to do things he's like this is my spot you know i want to like help this part of the world i like that i wish we got more of his storyline though because they hint towards like a thing that's happening in his life that yeah. they've never like yeah really like a home thing it. yeah yeah and, and also how weird was it that his his dad was mark anthony Oh, so bizarre dude when i saw mark anthony on the couch holding a beer i was like whoa whoa what and then to have him in the movie and not sing was so yeah. weird like what's the I, what's the point yeah no <laughs> i don't understand it either but i did read somewhere that anthony ramos was almost like taken aback because he had that scene with him and he was like oh he's bringing it and i need to as well and like seeing him in that short scene, I guess, made him want to like step it up a little bit and like go for it, which I thought was pretty cool. Cause he, you could tell like in the interview, he seemed like he was a little starstruck. That's what I was. I mean, yeah, he's a, a, been a very famous Latino man for a long, you know, long time. I was, I was like hearing like people who are also kind of like in the spotlight or just stepping into it, having like a fan moment. Oh yeah. Like that. Those are always cool. Imagine, imagine Anthony Ramos when he met Lady Gaga doing a Star yeah. Is Born. Just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you're, you're, you're huge. You know, you're a massive, massive like icon. That's got it. Yeah, it's just, no matter who you are, that you know, that like hits you. Yeah, yeah. straight up. Um, it did. I like that this film showed how difficult it is to emigrate here. Like mm. the process of how you know it takes could take up to five years and you could still be denied. Yeah. Like how little that the courts give a shit about their timetable or what they need. Yeah, it's really upsetting. <sighs> you know, I have a lot of uh, I have immigrants in my family, and I don't you know I don't like that they had to go through that shit. It's unfortunate. No, and touching on what you said about people nowadays having like phones and stuff, you get to see a lot of people process this like in real time and like tell their story about how long it takes. Mm. And I mean, there's people who are now witnessing their parents become like legal citizens and the emotion behind that when their parents are like finally like they have like their papers and whatnot. And it's it's cool that this movie is touching on that and maybe it opens people's eyes a little bit to that process and the struggle that that holds. But I think it's, I think it's great that it actually did talk about it a little bit. I just wish they would have dove into it a little deeper. I think the solution to that, I would have made Sonny the main character. I would have had this be through his eyes as a dreamer, as a, you know, a, a kid who grew up here, but isn't considered a citizen 
and being torn between two different lives. Yeah. Because through Snavi, this is really just a love story. And we've seen that a million times in the musicals. Through Sunny, you get an entirely different perspective and you still get to celebrate this, you know, the cultural heritage and the environment of this neighborhood. I feel like that would have been, that would have helped it a little bit more. And then maybe we've also seen Nina's character um, actually put her knowledge to use in that situation. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the finale could have seen him getting citizenship or something. Yeah. I did appreciate the ending and how you thought one thing was kind of happening and it ended up being something different, despite, you know, the back and forth that he definitely had with like leaving and all that stuff. I think that was really nice. I, I liked it, at least well, that part. Yeah, yeah. But what happened to his investment? That like, too. What yeah. happened to his like decision to buy his father's bar? And this whole, yeah, this whole movie, we're led to believe that like this, this is like his, his, this is his destiny. Yes. Okay. Not, yeah, yeah. Not, I, not in like the cool twist yeah, yeah. way where it's like, oh, this movie's dark and oh, fuck, it just got darker. Yeah. No, this movie's optimistic. And the whole time he's, that's obviously his daughter. Obviously yeah. he's speaking to. And you think they're on the beach in Dominican Republic or whatever, or wherever it is. And you're like, oh, this is, this is cool. That's dope. I can see he eventually gets there. Yeah. But then, and, and fair enough, if that's where you want to go with it, but I'm quite frustrated with the ending because it's like, what? Like, so this this yeah. girl who is like wishy-washy as fuck with you <laughs> does this does this mural on the wall that she didn't even paint. It was some guy that it she just met. Paint. And you're gonna stay home because <laughs> of that. You you clearly and Connor, you're a certain person. You clearly aren't certain about what you want. Clearly. And that was like, what? What's the message? What the fuck is the I, message here? I feel like what I took away from it is I could see how much Washington Heights has impacted his life. Correct. And I like the fact that he realized that there is a home there for him and he stayed and he's raising his kids in the environment he did. But yes, it would have been very cool for to see her him though, actually like, by his yeah. That love story was not earned. Was no, not it, it does was, not deserve that sort of fairy tale ending. I feel like there were so many missing puzzle pieces in their romance so like i'm not saying that i love their story like i I just like the fact that you did see that maybe he maybe he did feel like a closeness to it maybe it was his abuela and the fact that that's like her resting place and it's the last place he had i don't know but it just seemed that seemed like he was choosing to stay with vanessa and not yeah no and not his destiny and that 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 did not sit well with me because the whole movie was about like chasing your your dreams your dreams not someone else's yours i feel like we get that a lot in movies too like where like it's a love story and this person definitely has like a goal that they have in mind but then they kind of give it up settle yeah yeah the love interest kind of thing and since the whole movie like doesn't she want to leave this neighborhood i thought so yeah yeah the whole time time she's trying to find like an out or whatever like i need my ticket out it's like man what you guys are you guys are like a couple of 15 year olds that don't know what's what now hearing y'all's point of view i'm also wondering like wasn't her whole like deal to like get out and like be like a fashion designer and what, yeah. what is she doing now though like that like what like her her clothes just being sold in his bodega that's it yeah they're just saying hey it's fine to just do quote unquote our dream right here it's like all right fine i guess <laughs> i guess I've- 
I've been to New York City. I've never walked into a convenience store and thought those are some beautiful dresses. Never. No. <laughs> Neither have I. I feel like nobody wins here. Yeah. Yes, when you really sit down and I was like, mm, what was the point of the two hour and 22 minutes? The, the, uh, yeah, and, and then, I don't know. That's my. That's always my issue with this genre. It's like, what, what exactly are we doing here? And again, this is New York City. There's no way he's getting his apartment back. <laughs> no, it's gone. That's gone. No. <laughs> I yeah, I think. I mean, she, she can design dresses in Dominican Republic. Like, they, I was expecting <laughs> her to make like an impulsive decision to like leave with him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I've read so many things on you know like just kind of skimmed through stuff on, on, on the internet and seemed like on Letterboxd or people who, who do have a relationship with the play, they're just like, they left out the essential things that allow the conversation to go there, Yeah, you know, to really put your foot into the, into the conversation and really be there. And I, I, I guess the movie had to make those decisions. And even then it's two hours and 20 minutes. So I don't know. I wonder what else they must have cut out. You know, because it's already a pretty long movie, in my opinion. So, yeah. like, what didn't make the cut, and if what was cut out, would it have benefited the storyline a little better? Probably more stuff about their relationship, which we clearly needed to understand. Yeah. To so understand, like there was how, are you, how are you guys so in love where you would just stay at the drop of a hat? When I hear that stuff was cut, I always think like, I always look back on the film and think like, you kept that. But you yeah. cut crucial character development, like the scene in the salon where they're all kind of just having like a a song. Do we need that song? I feel like out of all the scenes, that one might have been the most pointless. It was kind of fun though. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was it just, fun. It, right. The cost of character development. I don't know if it, it's worth yeah. it. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yes, yeah, while this movie is just breathtaking, it's gorgeous. And it is totally worth your time watching as just a uh, just like sweeping piece of entertainment yeah. that'll just that'll just kind of kind of knock you on your ass with its colors, with its you point out Brianna the choreography, it will blow you away. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you when sit you, down and actually think, yeah, when and this is why we do the show and like we just finished watching it, you do have to kind of properly get through your thoughts to figure out okay, what exactly was happening there? And the screenplay to me, uh, this woman, she's, this is her, essentially her first movie, first movie screenplay. And I think you can tell that there's just not a lot of, uh, like in the decision-making, she didn't know exactly where to go. Yeah. And that's going to fucking happen when you, you know, you're writing, this is a big movie to have your first <laughs> screenplay. Yeah. But I think that musicals inherently of like, don't, put a lot of value in the screenplay I yeah like that's the most, whole adaptation yeah. part of it yeah 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 most musicals are about the pageantry and about you know the, the songs that story is very much in the back seat i mean we see that with a lot of films we talked like you know hello dolly comes to mind mm-hmm. that movie has a very weird hard to follow story yeah but the songs are great and the performances are fun so you don't care isn't it yeah. isn't it nice to get a like a, a sweeney todd every once in a while yeah, Sweeney Todd, a little shop of horrors. Yeah. yeah. 
is there like a musical in y'all's opinion that does all of it well like the choreography the music the storyline yeah. and not be choppy and still be able to blend all of those elements together yeah Sweeney, Sweeney Todd I yeah. think Sweeney Todd does everything I think it totally understands or like what it is because at times it is kind of over the top and silly you know and embraces the pageantry part of it but it's also so committed to being dark yeah. and to being creepy and and, and then having Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter, they're both, yeah, awesome. And, and Alan Rickman and Timothy Spall. It has a lot to do with how well you choose your cast. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's probably my like favorite as far as, I mean, I love all that jazz, but uh, I, I think Sweeney Todd, like you said, kind of crosses all the boxes off. Do you own Sweeney? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I want to watch that tonight. We're talking about it way too much. And I'm like, yeah, it's you're pretty, right. It's pretty Everything late, but I'm always true. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, I love Sweeney Todd. My all-time favorite musical will always be Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, that movie is good. so much fun. Uh, really, I think accomplishes all those. But one I would like to shout out is Rocket Man. Oh. I think that movie, I think, checks all the boxes. I think that doesn't sacrifice story. The performances are great. The choreography is fantastic. The songs are Elton John, so it's going to be great. And... I think that movie earns it. Uh, I'm definitely out with all that you just said because I haven't seen it and I was curious about it, but I I like a good musical that also can keep up with everything else going on as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking here like, I, you know, I really, really like stuff like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World that just kind of flips it on its ass and is using aspects of musical, but is like totally denying the uh, common tropes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, like La La Land has just kind of gotten more and more dull to me as time has gone on. Um, one of the yeah. recent ones. I like Sing Street a lot. That's a cool one. That's another kind of unique musical uh, that's more recent. Um, I have a soft spot for Chicago. I, think, I like yeah. Chicago. Yeah. I think the film adaptation was really good. I think that's a good story. Um. I know it's got a lot of flack, but I really enjoy The Greatest Showman. I did too. Uh, you like that one, yeah. Yeah, I'll send like, to make fun of me for that one, but I will put it on in a heartbeat if I, if I feel the need to watch a musical. It's probably going to be that one. My only beef with that movie is that P.T. Barnum was an asshole in real life. Yeah. But apart yeah. from that, like if you can ignore that, that's a very fun movie. Yeah. Uh, Dream Girls is pretty cool. Uh yeah, I, yeah my, my list is short of music, musicals <laughs> that I like. And usually I like ones that, yeah, again, are kind of like unconventional. And yeah. My favorite are mostly Disney movies, honestly. Yeah. That's fair. I would like to get back into musicals. I feel like I kind of drifted from it once I graduated high school and I was no longer like in choir and watching it as like a, a thing. But yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it when I did. And I feel like I need to just start diving in. Yeah. Well, since I tend to enjoy most musicals, I could probably compile a small list for you if you want. I'm down. Cool. In the Heights. Good. I give it an eight. It's a delightful musical. Celebrates uh, Latin heritage and culture, as well as the power of community. I, I, I liked it. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I liked it. That's fair. What do you think? I'm going to give it a seven. Nice easy seven. Same here. Okay. Uh, 
<sighs> I think I could even go lower if I think about it too hard. Uh, I get, I just get, I just, you know, I, you, and you know, Connor, I haven't been watching nearly as many um, 2021 releases as you, but sure. I've been, I've been quite harsh on the ones I have seen this year. Uh, like Cherry comes to mind, you know, uh, what's that one with Denzel and Jared Leto? Uh, the Little Things. Uh, uh, yeah, there's there's a few others, but it's just been uh, I, even that one we were on together, United States versus Billy Holiday. I didn't really like that movie either. Yeah, I thought Moxie was I thought Moxie was pretty decent, and there's been some others, but man, I I don't want to be disappointed all summer, you know. And <laughs> I think I think in the Heights because of that constant commercial no matter what i'm watching and it says 98 99 rotten tomatoes and like constant oh you know your expectations go to a certain place and i just i i felt like the story was flat you know fell flat a few times and while it was big and bright and outstandingly uh you know like almost overwhelming at times you know like the ninety six thousand scene that that whole bit was great uh the space between the notes was not totally there for me. So, uh, got, yeah, got to go seven. I can't, I don't think I could go any higher with just from that story stuff alone. I will, I, I will, I'll, I'll go with you on that. This has not been the strongest year for film so far. Uh, I think a lot of stuff has been severely disappointing. Like, um, Infinite. yeah, yeah. However, there's there been. There have been some gems. Like, have you gotten a chance to check out Raya and the Last Dragon yet? I have. She has. I have not. What'd Loved you think? It. it was great. Yeah. I thought they did a great job. I actually, if I wasn't so s- stuck in my ways of not paying 30 bucks for a Disney release, <laughs> yeah. now that I've seen it, I'm like, I should have, I should have just paid 30 bucks. It was worth it. It could be the greatest movie of all time. It could be Back to the Future <laughs> 4 that was like made in 1991 and lost for years. I'm not paying 30 bucks for it. I just... Just to watch at home. Yeah. No. Okay, yeah. Watch at home. You you probably wouldn't be able to watch it cheap if you just went to the theater. Yeah. 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 For sure. But I honestly... I, I had moderate expectations and I, I like when I'm impressed. Well, you know, getting doing this show kind of forcing myself to see as much as I can just to talk about it here. I feel like it's going to make a very interesting top 10 of 2021 when we do yeah. that in January, because I'm going to have a lot to draw from. So yeah. I think it's worth it, you know, watching the shit, watching the great stuff. I don't know what it's going to be till it's on. And exactly. yeah, it's all part of the, part of the mystery. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how you find stuff. And that's that you're, you're so spot on now. Now in January of 2022, you will have a really cool list to choose from, whereas mm-hmm. I'll have like 30. <laughs> but, you know, will In the Heights be there? No, it won't. But it was good. Yeah. I mean, no, there's no way, right? There's no way it cracks the top 10. Looking year. back on what I've seen this year, maybe two so far. So hopefully the second half of the year is better. Usually, usually is, right? Usually. Yeah. So. Once we get to awards season, I think things are going to pick up a little. Yeah. I've noticed that the older I get, the more I'm into that stuff, not so much the blockbusters. Yeah, that's where I've been for a while now, man. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This was fun. Next week, we get two films that couldn't be further apart. 
On Disney Plus, we get the new Pixar film, Luca. And in theaters, we get the action comedy sequel, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Uh, I have not seen The Hitman's Bodyguard. We'll try to watch it before, uh, so I have some context. Uh, tune in next week to hear us discuss those two films. Don't miss Videodrome on Wednesday's Filmgasm and a Best Picture Showdown on From Here to Eternity on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week. Celebrate your cultural heritage and keep watching movies. <laughs>